What is Jesus even talking about? I mean, blessed are the grieving. It doesn't feel blessed when your heart is cut out of your chest. Blessed are the meek. Not the last time I checked, you don't get anything if you're meek. Blessed are those who are reviled and persecuted. It's terrible. It sounds awful. One star Jesus would not recommend. We are, after all, 21st century Americans. We get to judge everything we see and decide whether we're going to come back or not. And we were raised with an ethos of winning and dominance. We know what it looks like to be blessed. It's getting the crown or gold medal or five stars. Hashtag blessed means that all is going well in the world, that the sun is shining as it is today, and we're having a good hair day. It's most certainly not losing. It is most certainly not grieving, and it's not being reviled and persecuted. And yet, here we sit with this uncomfortable message from our Messiah. You are blessed when it feels least like you are being blessed. At the end of the day, I guess we don't really understand what blessing means. Our Old Testament maybe can help us a little. It speaks to an unfaithful people on trial. These folks were not to be tried by, um, by other humans, but by God and the rest of creation. They were to look to the mountains as their jury. I love that part of the text, y'all. It is so beautiful. I think all too often we look at the creative world as, um, as our resources, something for us to take. Everything we see we can take and access and benefit from, but that should not be our posture to this incredible earth that God created. Instead, the topography and flora and fauna of this earth are our roomies, our companions, our sustainers, and our inspiration. Why wouldn't we have to answer to them? If we ever get put on trial for our clear cuts, our fossil fuel consumption, and our plastics, we'll come up very short. We need to change the way that we look at the world. So, these folks that are being uh, judged by God and the created world, these unfaithful folk in Micah 6, they decided they wanted to do a big gesture to make up for all they had done wrong. So they, they knew they messed up, they knew it, and so they were going to get really creative with just making sure it was all fixed all at once. So they decided they were going to do, maybe, you know, offer God some things. So they said, okay, how about some burnt offerings? How about that? That'll make you real happy, right? Thousands of rams. How about that? Okay, 10,000 rivers of oil. And then it escalated and got real dark. How about our firstborn children? Yikes. They came up with everything. Anything they could do to just make it go away. Can we just fix this today? What will it take? to just make it go away so that we can just keep on going. But God said no. Instead, God invited them to do justice, 
to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. No big one-time event that's going to fix it all, but a faithful relationship with God and the world step by step, day by day. Similarly, Paul wrote to the Christians at Corinth about their penchant for big gestures and, and earthly wisdom. They, like us, wanted to be big and important and have some undeniable, unrefutable, powerful argument to bring the world to its knees and to finally proclaim that they were right. But Paul responds, the power of God is made clear in weakness, in humility, in love, in faithfulness. If you want inspiration, look to the cross. Meanwhile, Jesus spoke these beatitudes while on the mountain, embedded in the created world, outside of the power and dominion of religion or the state, accessible to anyone who was brave enough to go out into the wild. God and Jesus dismantled anything we would be tempted to conveniently cling to for security or peace of mind. We want to believe that we will win. Jesus tells us we are blessed to lose. We want to believe that everything is going to be okay. Jesus says, sure, it's going to be okay after you pick up your cross and follow me all the way to the grave. We want to believe that we have all the answers. Jesus just laughs hilariously at that one. We want to believe that we will get out of all of this unscathed, and Jesus patiently shows us his hands, his feet, his side. We want to experience the big win and perpetual comfort. Jesus says the big win isn't what you think that it is, and comfort is overrated. There is something better. Justice. Kindness. Relationship with God, step by step. Last weekend, I had the honor of doing a Habitat for Humanity home blessing. One year before that, we had gathered on empty lots uh, where the houses now stand, and we prayed and broke ground with, um, with, our, with our shovels that had been painted gold, and this last Saturday, we finally were able to, to bless the homes. They're completed. These families that have worked so hard to live in them. And it was interesting to hear the families speak at this event. None of them spoke to the beautiful floors or the new stainless steel appliances or the lovely private lots or the proximity to schools. They spoke to what they learned along the way, step by step. They spoke of the hundreds of people who had come alongside them in some way, shape, or form to help make their dream a reality. They were moved, not primarily by the homes, although they cannot wait to start living in these homes, but by the generosity and love of people and the faithfulness of God. That might be closer to what blessing means. 
doing justice, loving kindness, walking with God step by step. Blessing is not a state of having everything we ever wanted. Blessing is not being physically well and not grieving anything at the moment. Blessing is not having a wonderful career trajectory and a fat bank account. Blessing is getting to experience in God's holy now the love of God, the care of others, the mercy and justice roll down. So why is it so hard? Why do we still resist this? I mean, some of us have been hearing this our whole lives, right? Why do we keep resisting it? Father Richard Rohr has been on a roll this week in his daily email devotionals, and he's been writing on themes of relationship with God. He argues that we cannot know God, but only love God. In our culture, we rely on knowing and thinking and having everything figured out before we move forward, but that is not how we define relationship, right? There is no thinking that we can do to grasp God's self and hold on to God's truth. There is only living and loving and walking step by step. The devotional that Richard wrote reads, God is incomprehensible to the intellect. Nobody's mind is powerful enough to grasp who God is. We can only know God by experiencing God's love. God can be loved, but not thought. John of the Cross and many other mystics say the same thing, and Christians could have saved ourselves so much fighting and division if we had just taught this one truth. By love, God can be embraced and held, but not by thinking. That is blessing. We want to come in and say, okay, we've messed up, but we've thought of a great idea. We have this great idea to fix it. Here's this wonderful sacrifice. Here's this new plan that we have to make it all work. Instead, God reaches out God's hand to us and invites us into loving relationship. Step by step. We are blessed when we find ourselves loving God rather than trying to fix things with one grand, sweeping, amazing, profound gesture. We are blessed when we step out of trying to figure everything out and instead faithfully walk the next step in front of us. We are blessed when we feel like it, and even more so when we don't. We are blessed in God's holy now, loving God, doing justice, loving kindness, step by step. I guess that is what Jesus was talking about all along. Amen.